0: Uh, Our Bible reading for today is Luke chapter 24, verse 13 to 35, and that's on page 1061 in your blue Bibles. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them but they were kept from recognising him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people, the chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. For we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And some of our companions went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said. But they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it's nearly evening, the day's almost over. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Well, good morning. My name's Ben uh, and I'm a ministry trainee here at St. Paul's. Uh, Let's pray and ask for God's help as we come before his word. Lord God, we thank you for this wonderful story of despair lifted and hope restored. Please fill our hearts with the truth it speaks of this morning, and above all, show us the Lord Jesus, the promised Messiah. Amen. Uh, Well, over the past few weeks, I've been reading a few different thoughts, articles uh, about our passage today, about what happened on the road to Emmaus. Uh, And what I've learned straight away is that everybody seems to absolutely love this story. Uh, Because it is a great story, isn't it? Uh, It's got mystery, it's set on the day of the resurrection, and so we're naturally wondering, oh, what's happened to Jesus? Uh, It's got empathy. Luke really rubs our face in the emotions of the characters. Uh, It's got a great structure. You get kind of a problem, a climax, a resolution, and a joyful ending. It's very satisfying to read. Uh, We'll go through the story in a moment and try and pull out some of those things. But central to this story, right in the middle, the pivotal moment, is the most wonderful news for us. Uh, Look down with me again at verses 25 and 26. I think these are the central words in the story. They're the only words that we get from Jesus. Uh, And I think they capture the good news Luke has for us today. Verse 25, Jesus says, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things? And then enter his glory. Now that doesn't really sound like good news, does it? Because it's packaged up as a rebuke. Uh, We generally think of rebukes as being negative, don't we? You know, come on, get your act together. You can do better than this. Maybe not so fun to be rebuked. Uh, But I think you can also have a positive rebuke. Maybe this is slightly silly, but just go with it. Uh, imagine it's three in the afternoon. Uh, you're hungry, and you really just need a nice snack to tide you over till dinner time. Uh, but you can't find anything. You know, you kind of go over to the fridge, looked in there. Oh, there's nothing there. You go over to the cupboard. Oh, there's nothing there. You go back to the fridge. Oh, still nothing there. And you go. Oh, I really want a snack, but there's nothing here. Ah. Oh. Uh, is that me? We okay? Great, sorry. Uh, imagine your friend then walks in after hearing you whining about your snack and they say, you idiot, what are you moaning about? There's a, there's a huge chocolate cake sitting right in front of you on the kitchen table. And you say, oh yeah, there is. Lovely. Uh, you know, your friend's rebuking you, but it's positive. It's pointing you towards something good that was right in front of you. Uh, and that's a bit like what Jesus is saying to these two disciples today, a positive rebuke Uh, Guys, there's some incredible news right in front of you. Uh, So above all, I have good news to share with you this morning. Uh, Jesus really is the promised Messiah who the whole Old Testament points to. And he's risen from the dead and gives us hope for the future. Uh, Let's enjoy this wonderful, life-giving story together. Uh, So just let's get our bearings. Uh, The story takes place on Easter Sunday, Uh, So, the women have been to the tomb. They've seen that Jesus has risen. Uh, They go to the disciples, but the disciples don't believe them. Um, And so now we're a little bit later in the day, still on Easter Sunday. uh, And two of these disciples are walking away from Jerusalem to a nearby village called Emmaus. We'll look at the story in two halves. Uh, Firstly, we'll look at verses 13 to 24. And we'll ask the question Has Jesus failed by dying? Has Jesus failed by dying? Uh, Because in the first half of the passage, verse 13 to 24, it will become clear that these travelers have not understood the message of Easter. They've not understood what happened. They thought Jesus had failed by dying. So watch out for that. Uh, Let's get into the story. So straight away, Luke draws us in. Uh, The two disciples are walking to Emmaus, and then you get verse 15. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. So the risen Lord Jesus has appeared, he's walking right next to them. Uh, We as the reader get a little thrill from that, don't we? We're like, oh my goodness, he really is alive, amazing. But then for some reason, these two disciples don't recognize him. Verse 16 tells us that they were kept from recognizing him. We'll come back to that in a minute. Uh, but for now, just know they, they don't realise it's Jesus that they're walking with. Uh, so Jesus walks along with them and he strikes up conversation. Uh, he asks, verse 17, Oh, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And look at this detail that Luke gives us. Uh, still in verse 17. They stood still, their faces downcast. You know, suddenly they stopped walking and they're ashen-faced. These two are miserable. One of them replies, verse 18, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Jesus replies, oh, what things? Uh, obviously Jesus knows what they're talking about, about talking about his death and the uh, reports of the resurrection. Um, but it soon becomes clear that these two really have not understood the events of Easter. Uh, firstly, look at how they describe Jesus in verse 19. Uh, they say, verse 19, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deeds before God and all the people. To which I think we're supposed to say, yeah, and? like, yeah, Jesus absolutely is a prophet, of course he is, but, but he's so much more. Uh, all the way back in chapter nine of Luke's gospel, the disciples realized that Jesus is not just a prophet, He's the Messiah, Messiah, this Jewish word that means the anointed one, the king, the one who'd been promised in the Old Testament hundreds of years ago, the one who would save his people, and the disciples get that, but now, here are two of his disciples describing Jesus as a prophet, Uh, it's a big step down, isn't it? Uh, imagine if you came up to me and said, Oh, Ben, who's this, who's this Rishi Sunak guy that I keep seeing on the telly? He seems to be everywhere at the moment. Who is he? And I say to you, "Ah, oh, yeah, Rishi Sunak, good question. Uh, he is the MP for Richmond in Yorkshire. I think you'd probably feel a bit short-changed by my answer, wouldn't you? Because, like, yeah, he is the MP for Richmond in Yorkshire, sure, but... You know, he is also the prime minister. That's probably the main thing that you need to know about Rishi Sunak. There's 650 MPs in parliament, but there's only one prime minister. Uh, I think that's kind of what's going on here. The disciples have downgraded Jesus for some reason from the Messiah to a prophet. Uh, And then look at verse 20. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. So they, they had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem, rescue Israel. Uh, and again, that was a job that the Messiah had been promised to do. But it sounds like that's off the table now. Uh, and you see from verse 20 again, their big issue is that Jesus has died. They've lost their hope that Jesus will rescue his people because he died. They've downgraded Jesus from messiah to prophet because he died. You can kind of see why their faces are downcast, can't you? Uh, their hopes have been dashed. The guy that they pinned their trust on has died. I mean, how can the messiah die? How does that work? I thought the messiah was going to come and overthrow the Romans and restore the kingdom to Israel. Uh, they've got no category in their heads for a messiah who dies. Uh, these two disciples were looking at the events of Good Friday and it just looked like game over to them. Oh well, he had a good run with Jesus. Uh, and they also clearly didn't understand the events of Easter Sunday. Uh, verses 22 to 24 tell us that they didn't believe the women's report that Jesus was alive. That made no sense. Sounds like nonsense. Uh, no, Jesus died. That seems to be the end of it. Game over. Game over. Uh, time to head back to Emmaus before they start rounding up Jesus' followers. Oh well, it's good while it lasted. If you lose the fact that Jesus is the Messiah, you do lose everything, don't you? I mean, if Jesus isn't the Messiah, there is no hope for the future, uh, no redemption, no rescue. Uh, all those wonderful promises from the Old Testament that we attribute to Jesus, you know, Gone. Uh, You know, at Christmas, when Jesus is born, we always read those glorious words of Isaiah 9. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Jesus isn't the Messiah, then those words count for nothing. The people walking in darkness stay in darkness. Or Isaiah 61, those words that Jesus claims are about himself in Luke 4. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. If Jesus isn't the Messiah, then you lose that too. No good news for the poor. Sorry, brokenhearted. No one's coming to bind you up. Sorry, captives. No freedom. Sorry, prisoners. No release from darkness. Two disciples were miserable. They thought Jesus had failed by dying. And if Jesus isn't the Messiah, if he's failed, you lose everything. So that was verses 13 to 24, asking the question, has Jesus failed by dying? Uh, And now in the second half of the passage, we're going to see Jesus' answer. Uh, And we'll see him say, no, the promised Messiah is right in front of you. Verses 25 to 35, no, the promised Messiah is right in front of you. So back on the road to Emmaus, uh, the two disciples are walking with Jesus, they don't know it's him, uh, and they're miserable because they think Jesus has failed by dying. Uh, So what does Jesus say in response to this? Well, it's those verses we looked at earlier, verse 25 and 26. I think these are the key verses for the whole story. Look down with me, verse 25. Jesus said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Jesus has some quite blunt words for them. Uh, How foolish you are. You ever tried saying that to someone who's downcast? How foolish you are. Uh, Jesus does. And in those verses, look at what Jesus identifies as the the root cause of that misunderstanding. He says, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Uh, So do you see, the problem was they didn't believe what the prophets of the Old Testament had said. That's the key. We'll come back to that in a second. Uh, And then Jesus helps us out a little bit more and tells us exactly what it is that the disciples are missing. Uh, Verse 26, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? So do you see what Jesus is saying? Uh, The two disciples thought that if Jesus had died, then there's no way he can be the Messiah. It was game over. But according to Jesus, the prophets say, yes, the Messiah does first have to suffer and then enter his glory. Jesus dying isn't a bug, it's a feature that completely turns things on on their head for the two disciples, doesn't it? Because suddenly the thing that they thought disqualified Jesus from being the Messiah, his death, is now actually all the more evidence that Jesus really is the Messiah. Uh, And in verse 27, we see Jesus put his money where his mouth is, verse 27. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So Jesus takes these guys into the Bible and he shows them from the whole Old Testament all the ways that his coming and death were predicted. Uh, We're not told what passages Jesus took them to, I guess just because there's too many, Um, but I'm almost certain he would have taken them to Isaiah chapter 53, verses 10 to 12, which says, "'Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him "'and cause him to suffer. "'After he suffered, he will see the light of life "'and be satisfied.'" By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. That was written about Jesus 700 years before Jesus was born. It was always the plan for Jesus to die. That's just one example from the Old Testament. There's so much more that could be said. I'm sure Jesus showed them Isaiah 53, Psalm 16, Psalm 22, Genesis 3, Exodus 12, Leviticus 16, so many more. We'd be here all day if we tried to look at them all. Uh, But you see, Jesus is saying, the whole Old Testament is a big flashing neon sign pointing to Jesus and the fact that he will die. And the two disciples really should have known that uh, because they would have grown up reading the Old Testament and they would surely have read Isaiah 53 and other passages like it dozens of times. So it's not like on the road to Emmaus, Jesus revealed some hidden secret, some key that they were missing. He just took them to the scriptures that they'd been reading their whole lives. Everything they needed had been right in front of them. Uh, And so now, do you see why Jesus' face was hidden from the disciples at the start of the story? Uh, We kind of breezed over that earlier, uh, but let's spend a moment on it. Why did God stop the disciples from recognizing Jesus' face? What's that all about? Uh, well it's a visual aid isn't it it's an outward sign of an inward truth you know they didn't recognize their friend Jesus even when he was walking right next to them and that points to the fact that they didn't understand that Jesus really was the Messiah even though the proof was sitting in the scriptures right in front of them because it is ridiculous that they didn't recognize him isn't it I mean, they didn't recognise his face, they didn't recognise his voice, they didn't recognise the way he walked, they didn't recognise his mannerisms. Uh, and you think, really, disciples? I mean, you really didn't twig that it was Jesus walking alongside you? I mean, it's almost like a pantomime, isn't it? Imagine they're all on the stage and the disciples are wailing to Jesus and saying, oh... Jesus has died and everything's failed and all the hope's lost and, oh, I don't understand why the tomb is empty. I don't know where Jesus has gone. And you can imagine the kids in the audience kind of sniggering and shouting, he's behind you, he's next to you. That's kind of what what Luke's trying to do here. Uh, Luke's showing us that failing to believe the prophets, that Jesus is the Messiah, is as ridiculous as not recognising your friend as he walks next to you. Everything these guys needed was right there in the scriptures. Jesus really is the Messiah. Be confident. The proof is right in front of you. Uh, I think that's what Luke really wants us to see. That's the central part of the story. Uh, Because after verse 27, the story basically uh, unwinds, I think. So verse 28 to 32, they get to Emmaus, they sit down to dinner, he breaks the bread and suddenly, ding, 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 uh, God lifts the veil and they recognize Jesus. Uh, He disappears, they get up and they go straight back to Jerusalem. So everything's now resolved. Um, So, you see, I think the thing Luke wants us to learn, as we said, is that Jesus really is the Messiah and he is right in front of you. And just look at the change that it makes in those two disciples. Uh, At the start of the story, they thought Jesus had failed and their faces were downcast. But then look at verse 32. After Jesus has revealed himself, the disciples say, why not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They've gone from downcast faces to burning hearts. Hearts that burn with gospel hope and joy as they realize that Jesus, he hasn't failed, but he's actually gloriously achieved everything he came to do. He suffered on the cross, paying for sins, and now he's risen from the dead to enter his glory. And suddenly, all those wonderful Old Testament prophecies are back on the menu. Isaiah 9, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Isaiah 61, there is now good news for the poor. The brokenhearted will be bound up. Freedom will be proclaimed to captives. Jesus is the one who will redeem Israel. Uh, And in fact, not just Israel. As we know, the good good news of the forgiveness of sins is for all nations. Jesus hasn't failed by dying. The promised Messiah is right in front of you. That's a truth that replaces downcast faces with burning hearts. I hope it's clear that it's a a big deal that Jesus really is the Messiah. Uh, The whole Old Testament points to it and the whole Christian faith hangs on it and I think that shakes out into our lives in a few different ways. Uh, I suppose the primary audience for this passage is anyone who doesn't believe that Jesus is the Messiah Uh, and that's most of our culture, isn't it? Uh, Remember how the downcast disciples described Jesus in verse 19? Uh, They said Jesus was a prophet, powerful in word and deed. Uh, And I think nearly all British people would agree with that assessment of Jesus. You know, he was powerful in word and deed. Yeah, absolutely. He said all kinds of wise words. Uh, Our our secular friends would agree with that. Our Muslim friends would agree with that. You know, Jesus was a wise man, nothing more. Uh, And so if you're here this morning and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, I imagine that's what you you would say too. Uh, And if that is you, then I hope you've seen today that Christians believe Jesus is not just a wise man with some good advice for life. He is the most important person in history, the Messiah, the Messiah. He died and rose to give us real, enduring hope for the future. Maybe that sounds a bit grandiose to you, but I think it's at least worth looking into a bit further, isn't it? Uh, If Jesus really is the Messiah, that changes everything. Uh, And then for those of us who do call ourselves Christians, then I suppose the message of the passage for us is believe that Jesus is the Messiah. He really is the Messiah. Uh, So first, let me ask you, uh, how important is it to you that Jesus is the Messiah? How important is it to you that Jesus is the Messiah? Uh, Indulge me for a moment. Think back to, what, about an hour ago, um, when you walked through the door of church this morning, over there. When you walked through the door about an hour ago, uh, imagine if at that moment, uh, as you walked through the door, a film crew came up to you, they kind of stuck a microphone in your face, uh, and they said, oh why are you coming to St. Paul's this morning? What brings you here this morning? Uh, I wonder what you'd say. Uh, I'm here because I always come here. Uh, I'm here because I'm on a rota. I'm here because I want to see my friends. I'm here because I love the music. Uh, Lots of things you might say. Uh, And obviously those are all great reasons for coming along to church. But I think from this passage the the principal reason you're here at church surely has to be I'm here because I need to know the Lord Jesus. Because you know he is the promised Messiah and the whole Bible points to him and he's the only reason I have any hope for the future. And I'm a weak, flawed person and I, I need to be reminded about him, about who he is. That's why I come to church, you might say to the film crew. Uh, And if that's not why you come to church each week, um, then I think Jesus would say to you in the the warmest, most inviting, most loving way you can imagine how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Because sitting in front of you is the most incredible truth Jesus is the Messiah. Uh, If you like, there's a big chocolate cake sitting on the table that you're just ignoring. Uh, Tuck into it. Get to know Jesus, the Messiah. He will change your life. He will give you hope for the future that you could never have imagined. Uh, And finally, perhaps you're a Christian and life just feels a bit overwhelming at the moment. Maybe each morning you wake up and you see the day kind of stretching out ahead of you and all you can think of is, oh gosh, Gosh, today's going to be a slog. Work's busy and frustrating. Uh, the flat's a mess. Our kids are struggling at school. I keep forgetting to call that friend back, and it all just feels a bit overwhelming and never-ending. Uh, if that's you, then Jesus has a positive rebuke for you too. He says, whoa, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Take a step back. Look at the bigger picture. Have you forgotten what history is all about? This is what it's all about, right here. Jesus is the promised Messiah." He sits at the center of history. He's the one the whole Old Testament was pointing to. He's the one who gives you hope for the future. A future in glory where all the frustrations of the world are turned to joy. This Messiah is right in front of you. He's not failed, he's not gone AWOL. He is alive and he's seated in glory. He lives in your heart by the Holy Spirit. If you want to meet him, open your Bible and I guarantee he'll be there on every single page. So perhaps in those mornings when you wake up and you feel overwhelmed, uh, before you get out your phone uh, or make a coffee to try and get through the day, uh, just take a step back and remember that bigger picture. Jesus hasn't failed. The promised Messiah is right in front of you. That changes everything. Let's pray. Father, how foolish we are and how slow to believe we are. All the prophets have spoken. We so easily say the words, Jesus is the Messiah, but we're so quick to shrink him down in our heads, to forget what he's done and what he promises us. Please use this wonderful story of the road to Emmaus to change that this week. I pray that we will see Jesus as the Messiah, the one at the centre of history, who's right in front of us and gives us everything we need. Please use this glorious truth this week to spur us on to live for you and to delight in your Son. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.